Trash Time on CBS Sports Radio. America. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Millions of Americans finance the home of their dreams with their help. They could help you too. Rocket Mortgage, push button, get mortgage. As Saturday night becomes a Sunday morning across the United States and Canada as we flip the page to December and a huge week 13 in the NFL. I just discussed a little Jason Garrett and how on earth Jerry Jones can sell to his fan base that this is the guy to lead them for the final four games of what is this very disappointing yet still alive season. I will get to Jim Harbaugh and another disappointing game in the rivalry that's become anything but a rivalry that's become the hammer and the nail in just a moment. But you guys have lit up the phones of CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line 855-212-4227 is brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Tyler is in Texas. Tyler, you start off the hour on CBS Sports Radio. Tyler. Hey, you say, how, how you doing tonight? How you doing? I'm doing good. So you say, how does Jerry Jones sell to the fans in Texas? Jason Garrett. He doesn't. We're done with him. Then be we done with ready him. ready to move on. Exactly. We're ready to move on, but I don't think Chris Richard and I don't think Helen Moore would make a great replacement for him. But, that, that, but, but Ty, Tyler, that's my point, though. We don't know that. You're right. But what I do know is Jason Garrett is done. If he wasn't done, he'd have an extension. And what I do know is the way you look right now under Jason Garrett even if you make the playoffs, it'll be because the Eagles fall flat on their face, and you're not going to do anything in that postseason. So why not see what you have and have a shot in the arm here? Absolutely. I believe somehow we're going to make the playoffs. The Eagles are going to do what the Eagles have been doing this season, and we're going to make the playoffs. We'll host one wild card round, and we're done. Okay, so again, that's your goal now in doubt. Think about the bar you've just set, Tyler. The Eagles are going to become what the Eagles have been this year, mediocre, which, by the way, you know, a win on Sunday versus the Miami Dolphins, which you've already beaten the Dolphins. The Eagles are just what you've been doing all year, be mediocre at 6-6. Six and six. And you're shooting a host that one wild card game and be done, and you're saying that Richard and, and Moore aren't the answer. So if you think even with Jason Garrett as a head coach, all you're getting out of this is one more game, and you don't buy that you're getting the one more game with Richard or Moore, well, that's a stupid take. Why not see? Why not see? What if you go on a little magical run? What if Rashard takes over, and that's the voice of reason, a team buys in, suddenly you find yourself in an NFC Championship game, which, by the way, talent-wise, shouldn't be out of question for the Dallas Cowboys. You're telling me on paper the Dallas Cowboys aren't every bit as talented as the San Francisco 49ers are? They're more loaded on offense. I know the 49ers' defense is epic, but the Dallas defense is pretty damn good. Actually, the Cowboys, balanced-wise, are more talented than the 49ers, but the 49ers' record and coach is because of their coaching, because they've stayed disciplined, because of their drafting. All that talent in the world that you suppose you can't afford, and we're going to have to find a way to squeeze it all into the cap, and you have 6-6 six and six to show for it, that's on the head coach. Clinton is in Pittsburgh. Clinton, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, good evening, my friend. Good evening, Clinton. Um, good. You know what, I mean, here's what I want to say about the Dallas Cowboys. 
Um, you look at what happened. Look at them this year. Yes, you're absolutely right. They have one of the most talented teams in the NFL. You know, they're just as good as San Francisco when you look at them on paper, or even or even better than Baltimore um, if you look at it like that. But, you know, the problem with the Dallas Cowboys, which is the same thing that's going on every single year, think about it after they had Jimmy Johnson. They had coaches that are yes men. That's why Jared, That's why Jason Garrett has been there all those years. What was the reason for him firing Jimmy Johnson in the first place after he won those Super Bowls the way that he did? Look at the coaches they had. Chan Gailey, Bill Parcells. Oh, 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 they had Chan Gailey, Bill Parcells, and um, uh, well, they did uh, have Barry Switzer win right after. They had Jones. they had Barry Switzer when they won the one, and um, I forget who else. It Wade was Phillips, had. Dave Campo, uh huh, and and the list goes on and on. And now you got Jason Garrett, and you think about it. There are coaches out there that are good enough to coach that 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 or. Reputable for winning championships that are not coaching. Right if Mike now. McCarthy was coaching this Cowboy team right now, are they six and six? Your silence they, says it all. If Mike, no, they would not be. I'm sorry, Clinton. Sorry, I can't have that long a pause for the answer. No, I think I think the Cowboys might have three losses right now if Mike McCarthy was their head coach. Mike McCarthy's a leader of men. Now he might have butted heads with Aaron Rodgers at the end, but. That happens if they're a long time. Sometimes your message could fall, and that's what's happened with Jason Garrett. Again, the stat was on the broadcast on Thanksgiving. There have been six head coaches, and I'm going to get them right now. I got them wrong on Thanksgiving night since 2011 that have coached their team. Okay, Those coaches are Ron Rivera, Pete Carroll, Mike Tomlin, Bill Belichick, Sean Payton, and Jason Garrett. Only Jason Garrett has failed to get to the Super Bowl with his team. So getting to a Super Bowl matters for longevity as a head coach. I didn't get that right, by the way, the other day. The other day, I read off that stat live on the air. And I, Graceffo, I can't. The other day, I read that stat live on the air. I'm like, wait a minute. Who is the sixth coach? It was I heard you said a certain word. Yeah. Yeah, it was a rough one. It was a rough one. Clay is in Texas. Clay, you're on CBS Sports Radio. How you doing? How you doing, Clay? No, I mean, yeah, we're all tired of Jason here in Fort Worth. But my my point is, if you bring in a new coach, Chris Richard might be great, and he might think, you know, Jason Gary's an idiot. We need to do something completely different. These players aren't going to be used to something completely different. It's going to be a change in scheme. Whatever he wants to do, maybe yeah. it's going to be awesome. I don't think he'll do it. I don't think he'll do it in but, three days. But Clay, you know? I, it's hard for me to say there's going to be such a change in scheme if you're bringing in Richard more for this year. There'll be a change in attitude. They're going to keep essentially the same scheme. The play calling might be a little different because it's, you know, it, as much as Kellen Moore was the play caller early in the year, there's been some discussion as to whether he's truly been the one calling plays the last few weeks. And if it's right. Rashard, nothing on the offense should necessarily change, but the attitude and the direction and the, you know, just waking the team up would change. Yeah, well, and I hope that's true, but I think most people, or at least me here, I, I see Jason Garrett as, the general manager, and maybe Jerry won't admit that, but he's the owner. Jason's become the general manager. Oh, I think I think I think you're dead wrong there. I think Stephen Jones has become the general manager. I think well, Garrett has become no, has become whatever those guys tell him he is. No, I, I agree. I think Stephen Jones has been even even more so. But uh, I mean, it's like they they just want to keep Jason because you're right. He is a yes man, 
The only other thing I want to talk to you about is Tony Romo. I know you always bash on my boy Tony. <laughs> I don't bash I him. I don't bash him. I just think that the Cowboys stuck with him too, for too long. And I think he was just, he was a fine, good quarterback, but the Cowboy fan base vastly overrates him comparing to his peers. I'm sorry, Tony Romo was not as good as Phillip Rivers, Eli Manning, or Ben Roethlisberger, and Cowboy fans want to put him in that in that group. Well, and I I don't know the Cowboy fans you're talking about because I grew up here and everybody hates him, and so <laughs> I've always seen him as um, somebody that doesn't get the credit. I mean, I look at Dak and the... You know, if, if Tony Romo had done what Dak did last game on Thanksgiving, people would have been like, oh, it's Tony Romo. And I think Tony Romo had one bad snap that he held, and ever since then he was doomed for failure. And I just don't think it's right. I mean, you look at the numbers he's put up. He still had the same coach as Jason Garrett, which we all know is unsuccessful. I mean, it's time to start looking at that guy as somebody that he had a lot of comebacks, you know, and. That that passed it does. I'm sorry, he, I'm a, a cowboy homer, but that was a catch, you know. So. No. <laughs> Clay, look, Clay, I appreciate the call. I get the comebacks with Tony Romo. I get it. The problem was a lot of those comebacks, it's Arizona, it's October, it's a game like that. There's been week seven there's that week seventeen game famously, and I know he's always banged up. A couple of those playoff games, just brutal picks. Brutal spots in December. I mean, 2011, 2007, that both ended up being giant years, should have been Cowboy years, and they really weren't, and that's kind of on Tony Romo. He'll always live that Cabo trip in 2007, not taking it seriously. That was the boat trip before the boat trip. And Romo had opportunities to be a true leader. Now, Tony Romo, not that he was never not loved as a player, but he kind of has a little A-Rod thing going on right now in that we might look more fondly on Tony Romo's career and not his uh, discretions, if you will, whether it's on the field or off the field. A-Rod was far more off the field. And maybe Tony Romo down the line is a Hall of Famer, the way maybe A-Rod becomes a Hall of Famer, dare I say in baseball, because I think people will fall in love with them post-career because of their broadcast abilities, that they become super likable. And that might cloud our negativity on Romo, or erase our negativity, I should say, and make you feel more positive about their actual playing career. Zachary is in Richmond, Virginia. Zachary, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, I just wanted to say, I honestly completely agree with everything you said about Jerry Jones. He's lost it. He needs to get out of there now. He, they need to give the team to somebody else. They need to give it to his son something. We just we can't keep going in this direction with Jerry, Jason Garrett. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's not a competent coach. He can't get the best out of his players. He cannot. He just he. I don't think he honestly knows what he's doing. I don't think... We never come into a game with a real game plan. It's plain and simple. Well, and, and to that point, Jason Garrett is so reactionary to his critics and never proactive. A week ago, down a touchdown, he decides to kick a field goal to oh go, God, to go down four. And now everybody afterwards wanted to say, well, it could have been the right move. Look, the tripping call, it might have paid off. Meanwhile, you're facing a defense in a monsoon in New England that doesn't allow anybody in the red zone to assume after that triple call you're going to get back in the red zone, have a great chance to score a touchdown. It's idiotic. And then what does he do from his own 19-yard line? It ended up working early on Thanksgiving. He goes for it on fourth and one because he had four days where people were crushing him for not going for it, and then he goes for it when he's not supposed to. And Jason Garrett, in talking about preparation and any of that, like, he's too reactionary to his critics and doesn't think ahead about actual in-game situations. He just waits for people to crush him and then tries to make up for that at doing it at the wrong time. He doesn't get simple time and place adjustments in the NFL. I really couldn't agree with you more. He's a terrible game manager. He's a terrible game planner. And honestly, I don't even know how he stayed with us for five years. It's 
it's idiocracy, honestly. Well, yep. Is idiocracy a word? I think it's idiocy, right? Maybe it is idiocracy. And maybe I'm focusing too much on that. But you can keep calling at 855-212-4CBS as we continue the conversation on here we are three days after Thanksgiving and somehow Jason Garrett's still the head coach and Jerry Jones has completely lost it. I didn't get to my Harbaugh Michigan-Ohio State take. We will get to that throughout the hour as well. I know many of you want to chime in on what was a dud to rivalry weekend to start the game as Ryan Day's crew, led by J.K. Dobbins, Chris Olave, continue to stomp on Michigan. And again, that Michigan basically silenced Chase Young and still couldn't do anything, anything offensively. We will take your calls, 855-212-4227. Tweets at Mraz, CBS, M-R-A-Z-C-B-S. More to come on CBS Sports Radio. It's Sean Mraz time on CBS Sports Radio. Listening to Sean Marash on CBS Sports Radio. The Sean Marash Show on CBS Sports Radio. How about CBS Sports and CBS's Sunday? The NFL and CBS doubleheader action begins with Baker and the Browns taking on the Steelers, and we will get to Freddie Kitchens in a little bit as well. With the winners staying in the hunt for that last AFC wild card spot. Followed by a key AFC West matchup between the Raiders and the Chiefs. It all starts with the NFL today at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on CBS. I guess we finally changed from the Red Hot Raiders that we've been reading all week after that loss to the Jets. We continue the calls. Jack is in California. Jack, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Sir, thanks for taking my call. I'm really enjoying tonight's program. It's really interesting, and you're doing a great job hosting it. I appreciate it, Jack. What's going on, man? Well, I've been following the Cowboys. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the first year they came into the league, and I believe that was 1961. That's the first time I followed them. Okay. Uh, I could be wrong about the year, but I've, I've followed them for over, well over 50 years. I remember that year well. And uh, <laughs> I'm so disgusted. I'm so disappointed. But I'm tired of hearing the whining and the, and the and, uh, whatever, the whimpering, because let's get up and play like men. What happened to the passion? Don't these guys love football? I, I don't understand it, and and the coach, I cannot understand why the coach is still there. No, I thought he'd be gone by Monday morning, and I don't think he will be, but he should be gone by now. He should be gone, gone, gone. Yeah, well, and Monday morning was the equivalent of Friday morning. That's when he should have been gone, Jack. You're right about that. Well, and again, I just I can't get over this enough. The Cowboys, when teams don't want to fire head coaches, it's usually a financial reason. It's, hey, or it's a... We don't have anybody competent enough on the staff. Let's just finish out the year. We'll fire him on Black Monday after the season starts. But the Cowboys are in this weird position where how many times, honestly, is a head coach a lame duck? You hear it the year before they're going to be in the final year of the contract, and usually there's some sort of extension worked out. There was no extension worked out before the year. And names that you will hear interviewed for jobs all over the NFL when vacancies reside on the Cowboys staff. And... They play in a division that nothing is over yet because the Philadelphia Eagles have struggled. You check all those boxes off, and the Cowboys couldn't be put with a more obvious situation than, hey, we should be firing Jason Garrett before this last month. You very clearly have no interest in bringing him back unless he wins the Super Bowl. You very clearly see that you are dead as a doornail momentum-wise when Michael Bennett is the guy that needs to pick the team up there, and he's only been there for an hour and a half. 
And you very clearly have guys within your staff that other teams are going to deem guys that they want to interview. Why does he have a job with four games left at 6-6 six and six when you were supposed to have this number one seed type year in the NFC? Why? James is in Texas. James, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Yes, thanks for taking my call. I love your show. Appreciate it, James. Uh, well, here's the here's the deal. We all agree that Jerry Jones is a brilliant businessman. And full disclosure, I think that Jason Garrett should be gone too. But one of the things that I think that we forget that it's you know the Dallas Cowboys are still first place even after this weekend when the Eagles play the Dolphins. Even if they win, we're still yeah still controlling our because destiny. you beat the Cowboys. But let's be honest, the Eagles Absolutely. are sitting the Eagles are sitting there ready for you to come to their house in a couple weeks. Absolutely. So I like I said, I agree that Jason Garrett needs to be gone. I think one of the reasons why Jerry Jones keeps him, just in his perspective, is I think arguably the best coach that's been on the staff right now is John Kitna with the way that he has elevated Dak Prescott's game. But if you get rid of Jason Garrett right now and you elevate Chris Richard or Kellen Moore up to that position and he gets you into the playoffs, I think Jerry Jones wants a free and clear, let's start all over next year. And if he has... You think he's going to wipe the entire staff? You think he's, he's, gonna, he's gonna he's gonna have a conundrum where he wants where he wants a free and clear. Let's clear the slate. Let's get a coach in that I want, uh, so that we can keep on going forward. All right, so I'm gonna hear that argument for a second. In other words, that he has no interest in Rashard or Moore being here, which may be the case, and maybe that's why he's not there. But the other part of this is that would go so anti everything that Jerry Jones does because if you're gonna bring in a whole staff, so now you're gonna hire what? Like insert random coordinator here. Let's just pick. Pick somebody. Robert Salee, the defensive coordinator from the 49ers, he's going to bring in his own random staff because he's Absolutely. not going to hire a big-time head coach because a big-time head coach comes with big-time power, and Jerry Jones ain't yielding any power. So if it's yeah. not going to be a Rashard or Moore, you're just going to bring in somebody else's Rashard or Moore and then hope that you sit in on what staff they're bringing in? That just seems very backwards to me. Garrett seems like a comfort guy. I mean, uh, Jones seems like a comfort guy, and Rashard and Moore represent comfort to me. Yeah, absolutely. And so let me let me give you this scenario. What happened when Bill Parcells came on? What type of negotiations came uh, during that plane ride with Bill Parcells? What concessions did Jerry have to make when Bill came on? Because Bill is a powerhouse. Bill, right. Bill is a type A personality, and he had to make con- some concessions as well. So let's just say that Urban Meyer comes in or something like that, or of that caliber. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I guess that could happen, but at the same time, didn't it kind of seem like after Bill Parcells walked out, that was the last straw with Jerry Jones? And and how long a shelf life did Bill Parcells have there? Jerry Jones will butt heads with a big-time head coach. That's why it won't be a Mike McCarthy. And say what you want to say about Mike McCarthy, but that's why it won't be a guy like that. The only big-time head coach I could see coming there, although I don't think he's leaving, would be a Sean Payton because of Jerry Jones' relationship with Sean Payton. But does anybody get the sense Sean Payton now is in a hurry to leave New Orleans and go coach the Dallas Cowboys? And why would he? With what he's built there, drafting wise, why would he? Mike is in Maryland. Mike, you're on CBS Sports Radio. How you doing? Thank you for taking my call tonight. Appreciate it, Mike. What's going on? Um, well, just talking about the Cowboys and the whole Jason Garrett situation. Like, I think you definitely need to get rid of Jason Garrett. With Jerry Jones and his power trip, I think he's started to learn that it's time to start passing down the team. His son has started to take over the general manager position. He's been drafting. That team is loaded on offense. You have the best offensive line in football. Arguably, they're getting a little bit older, but they're still one of the best and the premier offensive line. You have one of the best up-and-coming quarterbacks. You have the best young running back, a stud-wide receiver, 
uh, Witten even came back at tight end. I mean, you had everything you needed. The Cowboys lead the NFL in yards per game, although very close to the Ravens. They are actually ahead of the Ravens. Uh, I think it's by point two. I want to say. But um, nonetheless, you're scoring nine points less than the Ravens a game because when it matters, you're not making the right calls. And that's right. what makes me question Kellen Moore and if he's the right guy moving forward as well. But I think you're 100% right. Garrett's got to go, and you need another voice and a chance to lift this team up. And if they do make the playoffs, they're going to have a new voice in the locker room to follow behind. Right now, I don't think anybody in that locker room trusts Jason Garrett no. in this game-winning situation. And does anybody view Jason Garrett in that locker room as their head coach or as their friend? And I, it's become very funny, the Instagram memes and everything and those videos that are caught when Jason Garrett is clapping and then Jason Garrett goes for the hand slaps and nobody on the team is slapping his hands. And I, I really didn't think there was anything to be made of him. But now you look at him and you go, maybe there is. And it's maybe not that the team's, uh, if you will, angry with Jason Garrett, but just they don't care about him. Like He doesn't scream head coach at this point. It's so far gone. And Garrett seems like a really nice guy. And maybe Garrett succeeds if and when he gets a second chance in the NFL. I mean, obviously, those giant rumors were out there. I'm a giant fan. I'd be sick to my stomach if they are Jason Garrett. But maybe he would succeed somewhere. I don't know. When he gets out of that pressure cooker that is Jerry Jones. But very clearly, when you coach for that long in one spot and the results aren't there playoff-wise, how many times can that message fall short? How many times? Makes no sense. All right, when we come back, the weekend that was in college football, we have your campus crush coming up. Harbaugh falls short to Ohio State. We will discuss that. Get back into a little college football. If you still want to call on this Jason Garrett, why is he still here topic? The number is 855-212-4227. Charles Davis still to come a little later on. He's on Ravens and 49ers. We'll break down that game. Freddie Kitchens, what the heck is he doing wearing the T-shirt he's wearing this weekend? Plenty more to get to. It's Sean Morash on CBS Sports Radio. It's Sean Morash on CBS Sports Radio. It is the Sean Morash Show on CBS Sports Radio. James Graceffo, Brian McKeon with me. On the other side, doing a great job as always. Graceffo cracks me up, man. We're going to get to Graceffo in a little bit. Uh, I'm going to talk to Graceffo in a little bit. Graceffo, just give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down on Turkey Leg Gate. Thumbs down. Okay, we won't talk about Turkey Leg Gate. But if you want to, you want you want answers me. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll get to it in a little bit. He just has me cracking up on Thanksgiving. But it was a big rivalry weekend in college football. We've been talking about it throughout the show. The days of doing Campus Crush are dwindling down. But let's hit you one more time. Another football Saturday is in the books. Let's recap the day with your Campus Crush. Only on the Sean Morash Show. Ohio State and Michigan from the big house. Going into this game, we knew playoff-wise it didn't mean much. Ohio State had already punched their ticket to a Big Ten championship game. So you would figure a little less pressure on Jim Harbaugh, even at home, to have his Michigan team ready to play Ohio State. And ironically, it was damned if you do, damned if you don't. Wouldn't it have been so Jim Harbaugh to finally get his win over Ohio State when really the game meant nothing? Instead, Jim Harbaugh's boys, they got embarrassed. 
Fields in the shotgun. Gets the snap. Looks to throw. Looking left. Looking left. Running left. Still holding the ball as if to throw. Cranks and fires toward the end zone. Wilson for a touchdown. Garrett Wilson. The Buckeye freshman receiver underneath a pass from Justin Fields. Just back in off of injury. A 30-yard touchdown pass. Paul Keels, Learfield IMG College. Justin Fields was a machine today. Ohio State wins the game 56-27. And how about J.K. Dobbins? Just another brilliant Buckeye running back and a long lineage of him. The Buckeyes, 12-0, 9-0 in the Big Ten. Number one in the college football playoff rankings will head to the Big Ten championship game to face number 13 Wisconsin, who they beat early in the year next Saturday night with a spot in the college football playoffs in sight, even if they lose to Wisconsin Wisconsin, uh, Ohio State probably gets in. Ironically, it's a Big Ten championship game that really means nothing. Really, because Wisconsin wins with two losses. Whoopity do. They're not going. J.K. Dobbins ran for four touchdowns. Justin Fields threw four TD passes. That's eight touchdowns. Eight touchdowns in this game, providing plenty of firepower for number two Ohio State to route number 10 Michigan 56 27. It's a school record eight straight wins in this series. Eight straight games. Crazy eights. The Wolverines, nine and three, six and three in the conference. Number 13 in the college football playoff rankings. Why are they even in those rankings? We'll have to settle for a second or third tier bowl game after Coach Jim Harbaugh fell to 0 and 5 in what was the greatest rivalry in sports. The program lost Ohio State for the 15th time in 16 years. As I said, hammer, meet, nail. We will do a little more on Harbaugh, Michigan, Ohio State right after Campus Crush. Alabama and Auburn, what I think might have been the most entertaining college football game of the season to date. Alabama with a chance to tie the game, maybe force a little overtime, but Shankopotamus. Snap is down, the kick is on the way, and the kick. He missed it! It It hit the upright! It hit the upright! And with two minutes to go, Auburn will get the ball back, leading by three. Wow. Can you believe it? I can because mostly college kickers absolutely stink. No secret there. Alabama botches that one, a 20-yarder. They end up losing the game 48-45. Sean, I'm yelling, shivers, scored on an 11-yard run. With 8.08 left to put number 16 Auburn ahead and another failed field goal by Alabama in the Iron Bowl wiped away the fifth-ranked Crimson Tide's playoff hopes in a wild 48-5 victory for the Tigers on Saturday. The Tide made the first five college football playoff fields, but its case was damaged with a 46-41 loss to LSU. They still probably had a great chance to get in. I think the committee was dying to put them in, but ultimately you're not going to put them in with two losses now. The team's in-state rival delivers the final blow. Best Iron Bowl since the kick six game for me. Had to have been. And obviously, the team missing Tua with a couple pick sixes that went the other way. The five foot seven, 179-pound Shivers delivered on his only carry. Whitlow took the direct snap and handed it to him. Shivers smashed into Xavier McKinney, knocking the safety's helmet off. How incredible was that? Helmet pops right off on his way to the end zone. Bo Nix hit a two-point pass to Shedrick Jackson to make it 48-45. And by the way, bright days ahead for Auburn. They might not make the college football playoff this year, but that win for the Iron Bowl with true freshman Bo Nix, who started the year, if you remember, Labor Day weekend with that comeback win over Oregon. Look, we talk about big-time futures of some of these quarterbacks. We saw it coming with Trevor Lawrence. Now Trevor Lawrence still has another year ahead of him at college football here. 
Bo Nix is going to be a factor the next couple of years, and Auburn will be as well. Gus Malzahn started the year on the hot seat. Not anymore. Big year for the Auburn Tigers, finishing in a big way in the regular season. How about Wisconsin and Minnesota? Plenty of snow for the Gophers, and boy, did they get snowed in by Scani. Going back under center this time. He'll take and around. Here's Danny Davis. Has room to it. Prior, rather. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Wisconsin. Kendrick Pryor on the end around. Oh, what an answer by the Badgers. They lead it by 13. Matt Lepe, Learfield IMG College. Jack Cohen, Saville, Long Island. The pride of Long Island delivered two momentum-shifting touchdown passes. And Jonathan Taylor added three touchdowns to his FBS leading total as number, 19, number 13, Wisconsin, reasserted its recent domination in this rivalry by beating number nine Minnesota 38-17 on Saturday to advance to the Big Ten championship game. Quintez Cephas caught five passes for 114 yards, including a 47-yarder and a score midway through the third quarter that gave Wisconsin a 17-7 lead. Tanner Morgan passed for 296 yards and two touchdowns for the Gophers. He had an interception and a lost fumble that turned into 10 points for the Badgers as the score kind of steamrolled from there. The Badgers scored touchdowns of each of their first four drives of the second half. Two of them covered 90-plus yards. Real quickly, my guys, McKean and Graceffo, do you know what Minnesota and Wisconsin play for every year? Come on. Come on. Who's got Some sort of cup. Not a cup. McKean, give me something. A bowl or something. Oh, no, they play for like an axe. That's right. Yeah. The Paul Bunyan Axe Trophy. By the way, what's the point of playing for a weapon? Fill me in. I don't understand. Are you swinging around? Swinging. <laughs> these, kids are, these kids have all the adrenaline in the world. And they're playing for a weapon. I don't yeah, understand. As we storm the helmets. field, we have an axe swinging around. So, yeah, that by the way, the first time this rivalry's really meant anything with the Gophers being good. At P.J. Fleck, Goodyear, Minnesota, if I'm him and, and Florida State's offering me money, I'm out. Bye. See ya. I'm out. Bye. Peace. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Bedlam, they say. Bedlam. Interesting spot here before we throw to the cut. When we talk about the college football playoffs, since that Kansas State loss by Oklahoma, a lot of tight games. So versus a top 25 team in Oklahoma State, a rivalry game, Oklahoma needed to assure themselves a dominant effort to really pique the interest of the committee and put back in a playoff form, and they did just that. Sooner sprint to the line. Jalen Hurts under center from the three. Snap. Play action. Rolling right. Braden Willis open. Touchdown! Jalen Hurts to Braden Willis, and Oklahoma has taken firm control of Bedlam. Toby Rowland, Sooners Radio Network. Jalen Hurts passed for 163 yards and a touchdown. Rushed for 63 more and a score. And caught a touchdown pass for the Sooners, who finished their regular season 11-1, 8-1 in the Big 12. Number 7 entering this weekend in the college football playoff. It's their fifth straight victory in this series in Bedlam. Oklahoma has won 21 consecutive November games dating back to 2014. The Sooners will play Baylor in the Big 12 championship game next Saturday, and that is fascinating because they beat Baylor. The committee seems to believe in Baylor at least a little bit. Baylor won big against Kansas on Saturday. So while all that talk about Utah and Oregon, Oregon and Utah, a lot of people out West would like to believe if Utah beats Oregon, they will get in out of the college football playoff as long as LSU beats Georgia. But if Oklahoma beats Baylor for a second time and does it impressingly neutral sight, does that actually give them the resume boost over a Utah team whose now best win would be having to beat Oregon 
who, if we start connecting the dots, lost to Auburn before the year. Oklahoma got themselves back alive today. If they had another tight win or, dare I say, lost, they would have been out. Oklahoma, I think when all the dust settles, if I had to bet the games today, if I was in Vegas, if I was somewhere where legal betting is allowed, where legal betting is not allowed, I would bet Oregon finds a way to beat Utah, LSU beats Georgia. I think Oklahoma is going to find their way into the playoff here. With Oklahoma still up 27-16, Oklahoma State took a chance by going for it on 4th and 3 at Oklahoma's 27, but Drew Brown's pass fell incomplete. Oklahoma stopped the Cowboys again on 4th down in the 4th quarter. An excellent win for Lincoln Riley's crew. Now, dating, going back to our opening game here, Ohio State and Michigan, 56-27. And this is kind of hypocrisy because I thought now would be the time Harbaugh would give you a big effort. Ohio State, maybe they come up short. But Ohio State's just too good. Ohio State's just too dominant on both sides. Fifth straight victory that Harbaugh has led up here to Ohio State in the series. This one in the big house. And by the way, next year, when the game's at Columbus, gone will be Shea Patterson, and in will probably be Christian McCaffrey's brother playing quarterback. And who knows how that's going to look for Michigan and Harbaugh. And let me just stop, you know, call it like it is here. I will not sit here and pound the drum for Jim Harbaugh to be fired. He's a Michigan legend, clearly, and Michigan has, if you will, no fire in them to quit being nine and three or ten and two every year. Michigan now has settled for good enough and not great with Jim Harbaugh. He's a name brand. They have the Jordan brand all over the uniforms, and they will always be in some sort of outback bowl or something like that. But the proof is in the pudding here. Ohio State. You can change the coach. You can change the players. The truth is, their style of offense, their recruiting, it doesn't change. They have so much speed on offense, so many weapons, and year in and year out now under Michigan, and this is fully on Harbaugh now, okay, they developed the the decent, speedy defensive player. Jabril Peppers, Devin Bush, as our buddy... Mike Zimmerman wanted to point out, a Rashawn Gary, but ultimately, Chase Winovich. Ultimately, Michigan on defense does not have enough team speed. They might have one or two guys that will flash you, but they don't have the speed. And that that caution, they can't handle J.K. Dobbins. They can't handle a Chris Olave. They can't handle it. And that's on Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh has been so focused on finding the right quarterback as a quarterback guy over the past couple of years, bringing in a transfer like Shea Patterson, that I think his recruiting and understanding of the defensive side of the ball and building a team to beat Ohio State and Ohio State's high-powered offense, it's just not there. And on the other side of that, if your defense is going to look like absolute do every year versus Ohio State, you'd think that maybe as a former quarterback – you would be able to find the running backs and find the receivers. And I know Donovan Peoples-Jones is an excellent receiver, could be a really good pro. But find the weapons that maybe you could try to get into a track beat for Ohio State. They can't do either with Harbaugh's recruits. They can't slow Ohio State. And even if they can't slow them, they can't get into a track beat with them. They are so mediocre on both sides of the ball, but... Harbaugh's good enough in-game that he will beat a bunch of the other mediocre Big Ten teams and rack up that win total in the 9 or 10. But when they have to face an elite program, and if that's Penn State one year, if that's Wisconsin one year, fine. It's Ohio State every year. 
Michigan, forget being up for the game. They've got no chance. They've got no chance. And what was the greatest rivalry in sports is now completely dead for the better part of a decade and a half. Sure, there was that thrilling double overtime game two years ago, three years ago. That was the closest Harbaugh got to winning this game. But ultimately now, he has gotten worse since that game. The team has looked less prepared. The team has looked less talented up against Ohio State every single year that ticks by. And at some point, you'd think Harbaugh, this was supposed to be the year, right? Urban Meyer was gone. It was a new head coach in Ohio State. This was supposed to be the year. And instead, it's gotten worse, not better, as far as the gap between Ohio State and Michigan. Ohio State's got it made right now playing that same division as Michigan. You want to talk about playing bad ACC teams for Clemson, I'm not sure Michigan would be better than Virginia right now. That's how bad it's gotten. That's how bad the talent gap is between Ohio State and Michigan. And again, I'm not calling for you to fire Jim Harbaugh because I understand you could be worse. But what I am saying is if you're Jim Harbaugh, do you just say, hey, it didn't work out, and let me go back to where at least I made a Super Bowl and a couple NFC Championship games in a short span in the NFL? Because there are NFL teams that would absolutely hire Harbaugh in a second. And maybe he's just more cut out for being a big-time head coach in the NFL, relying on his X's and O's, because clearly Jim Harbaugh is a recruiter. He's not in the same stratosphere as anything that they do on that campus in Columbus and Ohio State. And that's the team he has to worry about. That's the team he has to stare directly at. He can line them up and out-coach and videograph and figure out a way to beat the Seahawks and Russell Wilson, but he can't, a 12-month-a-year job, be able to figure out how to build a team to beat Ohio State, and that's a major problem in Michigan. So if I'm Jim Harbaugh, I don't have any ill will, and I say I'm out of here, and you have some self-realization that this ain't the job for you. If you're Michigan, you don't want to fire Harbaugh, you're worried about who's next, understandable, but understand you're, you're settling for average, and that's what's going on in Ann Arbor. You're just average. When we come back, the game of the day in the NFL – Can the Niners' defense solve Lamar Jackson? We look ahead at San Francisco and Baltimore and a possible Super Bowl preview. Jim Harbaugh's former team. If you want to call on Harbaugh, the number is 855-212-4227. The Sean Moraz Show continues next.